Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, so that you may be able to withstand on that evil day, and having done everything, to stand firm. And now, battle ready with Father Dan Rehill. Good day. Welcome to Battle Ready. Let's begin with a prayer in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. My God, I believe, I adore, I hope, I love thee, <clears throat> and I ask pardon for those who do not believe, do not hope, do not adore thee, and do not love thee. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Today, the church celebrates the solemnity of the Immaculate Conception of the Blessed Virgin Mary. This is the highest feast day you can have in the church, solemnity. And why is that? Now, let me tell you something. You must go to Mass today. It's a holy day of obligations. If you haven't been yet, start poking around looking for a church near you that would have a Mass. Uh, if you've missed the morning, they're likely to have a midday or an afternoon or evening because it is a holy day of obligation. So there'll be more than the normal set of masses today. But this, um, the gospel of today's mass is the account of the Annunciation, because we don't have a lot of scriptures about Our Lady. And this, of course, is very confusing to people because they think today Immaculate Conception is about the incarnation of Jesus. It actually <clears throat> is in a peripheral way. But not directly. Today is the day that Mary was conceived in, a, in her mother Anne's womb without original sin. So immaculately conceived. And this is the beginning of redemption history. Now, of course, the redemption was planned from the beginning. God knew he was going to uh, send the word down to earth to to put on human flesh and uh, offer himself on the cross. But today's the day where it actually, the rubber hits the road because he can't come down till he has a body prepared for him. And it would have to be a perfect body, a pure and inviolate body. And so when Mary is conceived, she becomes that pure and holy body that has no sin in it. And she remains sinless her entire life. And so that is the body that Jesus would enter into her womb and through her would come to all of mankind. When we consider the perfection in Mary, we don't have any idea how perfect she is because we have nothing to compare to in our own life. She is beyond anything we know. She's beyond anything that we can see. She's beyond even the holiest of saints. This woman never committed a sin, not even a venial sin, her entire life. Her entire life. And that was from the unique graces she was given for this state of life that she has. Uh, so imagine, she never had to say she was sorry, not even once, because she never did anything wrong. And it is in this woman, this young woman, that Jesus makes a home in her womb and enters creation. Uh, and then from there the whole entirety of his life would be a witness to who God is. When we look at Jesus, we see God, because he is God. And he, he points directly to the Father, 
So it all begins with this young lady, Mary. And this is what we celebrate today. Um, let me read you, just to begin here, a little snippet from the Office of Readings this morning. St. Anselm gave a beautiful meditation about Our Lady, and this is just a piece of it. He said, God then is the father of the created world and Mary the mother of the recreated world. God is the father by whom all things were given life. Mary is the mother through whom all things were given new life. For God begot the son through whom all things were made and Mary gave birth to him as the savior of the world. Without God's son, nothing could exist. Without Mary's son, nothing could be redeemed. Well, isn't that profound? You could ponder that for hours and hours and hours. Just uh, amazing to think about. And so this is a woman beyond uh, reproach for anyone, really. Um, and it's just so sad that the Protestants don't understand her. They don't understand the great gift she is to the world. They don't understand that she is a great gift to humanity as the mother of all people. Um, they don't understand her perfection. So today it would be good to pray that, that, that all peoples come into the wisdom and knowledge of who she really is. Not because she did anything on her own merit to become so holy, but it, although she maintained that holiness, it was God who deemed to make her this holy and his uh, wisdom that decided to do it. It's all because of God that she is who she is. But nonetheless, she is who she is, and so we should honor that. So this is a fairly new solemnity in the church. It uh, was birthed forth, the, the, the solemnity as a celebration in the church in 1854, with Pope Pius IX's solemn declaration in Ephabilius Deus, which clarified with finality the long-held belief of the church that Mary was conceived free from original sin. So 1854, the church acknowledges this truth, and it's now a dogma. What is a dogma? A dogma is different than most other beliefs. A dogma is something that the church says you must believe in order to be Catholic. So um, it's not up for debate. There's no wiggle room here. This is a truth of the church that you must believe. But this isn't the beginning of the church believing this about her in any way, shape, or form. Um, and of course, just years after this happened, uh, she appeared, a, I think it was four years later, in Lourdes to Bernadette, uh, and told little Bernadette that she was the Immaculate Conception. Bernadette had no idea what she was talking about because a little peasant girl in the outskirts of France would not have known that this was a dogma of the church. It, you know, in 1854, when the church, when the Pope would proclaim such a thing, it would be promulgated to the bishops and letters would have to be written and sent to, and literally written it wasn't like copy machines were a thing. So they would write letters and send them to all the bishops around the world to say, this is the new dogma of the church. Uh, and then the bishops would have the option 
of you know how they were going to relay that to their their priests. Again, there was no internet, there's no telephone, there's uh, we'd have to either get on a horse and go visit the priest, or you'd have to write a letter to your priest individually to all of them and send out the message. So this sometimes took years. You know, the Pope is sending letters across the sea, has to get on a boat, it would take months to arrive to many of the countries. And uh, so it was a slow game of disseminating information. So Bernadette, when she hears this and goes to the priest to tell him, she said that she was the Immaculate Conception. Uh, the priest, that priest, because he was in France, which is pretty close to the Vatican, he was already aware that this was uh, a dogma of the church. And he realized right away, this must be of God, because this little girl could never have come up with that on her own. So, um, and you know, the Pope, when Mary says this to Bernadette, she's affirming what the Pope had already said, but really the Pope is affirming who she already was for 2,000 years. So it's all goes back to the original uh, inception of Mary in her mother's womb. Now, but many of the saints, as I mentioned, were already proclaiming this about her years and years before this. And I would imagine that the apostles must have known Mary was uh, unique in many ways, and Jesus may have even given them this, the insight as to this, although it was not written in the scriptures. But they were around her often, and they must have known she was someone uniquely and specially made. And maybe they didn't put together that she had no original sin, but they would have known she was something that was beyond the the, the pale of of human nature. But Saint Ephraim, who's a great hermit of the church in the East, in the fourth century, so in the 300s, he proclaimed Mary was immaculately conceived. So all the way back in the 300s, already people were saying such things. So this is um, just when the church finally declared it, it was, it was really a confirmation of what many people had already been speculating about for centuries and centuries and centuries. So today... Um, this very special day, you know, you should feast today. It's a feast day. Um, but you should also pray. And uh, there's something very special that happens on this day, uh, which is, again, comes from uh, another apparition that happened, um, oh, in the early 1900s. Uh, a woman was born, um, Pierina Gili. In Monticciati, Italy. She was born in 1911, died in 91. And um, she had apparitions of Our Lady. And in them, Our Lady uh, said this to Perina. I wish that every year at 12 noon on December 8th, an hour of grace for the entire world would be celebrated. Through this practice... Numerous spiritual and corporal graces will be obtained. Our Lord, my divine Son, Jesus, will grant his very great mercy as long as the righteous continue to pray for the poor sinners. Those who cannot go to church should pray at home at 12 noon until 1 p.m. and then and will then receive my graces. What does this mean? 
it's again, it's just a gift. It's it's a private revelation, which means it's not a mandate of the church. You must believe this, uh, but it is approved by the church. It is approved by the church, and it's a free gift. So if you can get to a church today between twelve and one, go to the church and pray for poor sinners. Um, if you can't get to a church, try to make that your lunch hour where you can spend some time in prayer, again, for poor sinners, and petition Our Lady for that very special um, intercession that you've been begging her for, for, or Jesus for, for many years. So you got kids away from the church? She will grant that. That will come back today because she says, I will grant whatever you request so long as it doesn't go against the will of God. Now, God wants everyone to come back to the church. So I can say with certainty, for your kids, your grandkids, all those lost people that are away from God, if we commend them to God today through Our Lady's hands, I would bet dollars to donuts that they're going to come back. Now, it doesn't mean they're coming back today or tomorrow, but it means they will get back. So... During this special hour of grace, here's some of the instructions. Put away all distractions and concentrate on your union with God. Begin by praying three times Psalm 51 with outstretched arms. The rest of the holy hour of grace may be spent in silent communication with God, but you may say the holy rosary, praising God in your own way, say your favorite prayers, sing hymns, read your Bible, etc. It's really up to you, but... They do recommend Psalm 51 three times. That's the psalm of great contrition that David prayed after he realized his great sinfulness in sleeping with Bathsheba and then killing her husband. Uh, So there's many graces available, as I mentioned, um, on these special feast days. But here we have a concrete approved apparition that says this will be given you should you do it. So here at St. Catherine today, and I would hope other priests would follow suit, we will have a holy hour of adoration of the Blessed Sacrament from 12 to 1 for those who can come. And we will uh, partake of all these graces that Our Lady wants to give out. And if you're following what I've been saying for the last couple of days with my mother about the Apostle of Holy Motherhood, particularly we should be praying for purity to and modesty to come back to the world. We can pray for all our Catholic leaders who are um, really heretics, who are who are followed the way of death instead of life and are promoting things that directly contradict Jesus and his church. Let's commend them to Our Lady today. What a great thing that would be. Uh, so there's many things we can be praying for. And you know, I'm just going to throw this out there. I feel like the doors of mercy are about to close Uh, now maybe that would be in a week a month a year uh when justice begins but it's it's every day we're a day closer and as the as we look at the signs of the times it seems that um that that time is closer than we would expect uh even just a few years ago because things are just uh literally collapsing around us all morality is collapsing around us so this is a time when we we have to uh, get closer to our, our mother and closer to uh, God our Father and to his son Jesus and, and, of course, the spirit who dwells within us. 
we did also today at our mass this morning. We did a consecration, the Louis de Montfort consecration to Jesus through Mary. We also consecrated ourselves to Saint Joseph again. Uh, these are good things to do periodically on these sort of feast days. So just Google them if you don't have them at your fingertips, um, and, and make that maybe during that holy hour today, make that consecration to Jesus, Mary, and Joseph once again. It's good to renew them from time to time. And, um, and trust in God's providence and mercy in your life. Uh, so this feast day, very interesting. Uh, I'll tell you something. Uh, I, I discovered, uh, actually it's from a homily from an Irish priest, but I, I <coughs> co-opted it from my own homily. This is very, it makes a good analogy though. Uh, in 1998, on June 22nd at the Church of Corpus Christi in Limerick, Ireland, there was very bad fire and it caused about, about $400,000 worth of damage to the church and it was in the sanctuary um, and it was so hot, the fire, uh, and, and so s strong that even the marble melted. Mar imagine marble melting. I didn't even know marble could melt. And even the brass was melted. Um, there was a plaster canopy over a statue, a wooden statue of Our Lady. The plaster canopy was destroyed. But the wooden statue of Our Lady survived. It was a little scorched, but it didn't burn. Uh, and this is remarkable when you consider marble and brass are melting, but the wooden statue is basically unscathed. What does this mean? What is God showing us here? This is exactly what this feast day is about. You know, despite the fire, the corrupting fire that destroyed everything in that church, Our Lady's statue was left unscathed. She was prevented from the effects of the fire hurting her. Just as on this day, we acknowledge that Our, Our Lady was prevented from the stain of original sin, from uh, affecting her, from poisoning her. She was prevented. And it's interesting because that particular grace she was given, the church calls it prevenient grace, which sounds like the word prevention. And it was in fact a prevention. She was uh, prevented from being stained with original sin. So the prevenient grace was given to her. It's a singular grace she received alone. Now, many people have trouble with this. Um, let me remind you, the God who did this made the entire universe. He put together the stars and the planets, the oceans, the mountains, uh, the percentage of oxygen to carbon dioxide ratio in the air, and then bodies of human beings that would need that exact ratio to survive and thrive. And then we would exhale carbon dioxide into the air so that the plants could lie, live and survive. Like this is all his providence, right? How could you possibly think he could do all that, but he couldn't stretch his hand back in time to prevent the mother of his son to be prevented from being stained by original sin? You see, when God looks at uh, time and history, 
he's not in he's in it with us but he's outside of it as well when he looks at the events of history he's looking at them all at once they're all laid before him at once he doesn't have to wait for something to happen to see it he sees it all at once and it was on the cross that the sacraments were birthed forth through the spilling of Jesus's uh, blood and water that came from his heart it was from his sacred heart that the sacraments came forth so when you were baptized whenever that would have been maybe 10 years ago maybe 70 years ago um, the grace from that event on the cross stretched forth through the sacraments and removed your original sin by the pouring of the water and the formula of the words that the priest or the deacon said over you 2000 years later the graces are still welling up from the cross to be uh, distributed among god's people stretching forward now why would it be more difficult to stretch backward for god it wouldn't be so in mary's case god stretched from the cross backward in time because he's outside of time and applied those graces to her from the cross of jesus christ even though it hadn't happened yet because god can do that god's outside of time and space so we have to stop thinking in terms of god with our own reality that we live in this world you know even when jesus was here he was walking on water he was walking through walls he could read your mind he could read your heart he was raising people from the dead he's doing things we don't typically do and then those saints that do do them it's only by his power they do them so all of this is possible for god so we shouldn't be surprised when he wanted to do this now why did he do it because god is so perfect so good he he is beyond anything we know and even what we know about him comes nowhere near how good he is our minds can't comprehend it in this life we just can't he and that's because he made us this way <clears throat> we just can't know how good he is however when we look to the signs we can look to the scriptures and get an idea because if you look at the tabernacle the tabernacle uh is the one place where god dwelled with his people right so it says he hovered above it between those two cherubim there there uh they were above the ark with their wings extended and god hovered above the ark within the ark was the manna the stone tablets and the uh staff of aaron so um, the things in the ark were materials they weren't god himself god hovered above the ark but the ark still had specific requirements it had to be of the finest materials of go pure gold um the the best woods acacia wood uh fine jewels everything had to be the best because it was god was going to hover over it uh, but that's just hovering over something and and when somebody touched the ark who wasn't a priest the person was struck dead if you remember poor Uzzah. Uzzah reached out to study the ark and he was struck dead because they weren't allowed to touch the ark it was too holy for the average person to touch so now imagine how much more holy would a person have to be that god was going to dwell within 
not above. He didn't dwell above Mary. He dwelled within her. So this would have to be something that was even more pure and holy than the Ark of the Old Testament. And so Mary is the Ark of the New Covenant. And she's even more pure and holy than the Old Ark. Because God would literally be taking his flesh and blood from her. It came from her alone. Jesus' flesh and blood came from Mary. Because the, her spouse is a spirit, the Holy Spirit. And, and so this is somebody who is remarkably, uh, inconceivably pure and holy. And by the way, it's also your mother. Isn't that wonderful that you have a mother so pure and holy and has direct access to all three persons of the Trinity at all times? This is good news. So again, today would be a great day to commend your deepest intentions of your heart into Our Lady's heart that she would present them to Jesus with the promise that she made that on this day between 12 and 1 o'clock that these prayers would be answered in your favor as long as they don't directly contradict the will of God. And the will of God is that all men be saved. So for those particular intentions about people, I don't think they would go unanswered. If you're going to ask for a Ferrari, it may not happen. But otherwise, most of these prayers, I think, are going to get answered. And we're in a, a time of great tribulation and great sin. And we know from Romans 5, where sin abounds, grace superabounds. So these are the days we're living in. And so isn't it wonderful that God keeps providing all these outlets of grace where we can kill, still be getting filled up uh, with special particular graces that are given, even outside the Mass. Imagine that. That he would do such a thing. Why? Because he's so good and so loving and so merciful. That's the message I want to leave with you with today. That God is so good and so loving and so merciful. And so he looks upon you with eyes of great compassion, with eyes of great love. Probably he's looking at you right now and he's smiling upon you. Probably his, his eyes are welling up with tears over how much he loves you. And he's so pleased that you would even have the slightest inclination to come before him and worship him. So see if you can get out there today and do that and enjoy the graces of this great, great solemnity. May Almighty God bless you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. This is Father Dan signing out. Mm -hmm.